2: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion ideas skepticism and adult subject matter Topics will be discussed using adult language sometimes gratuitously get ready to move the conversation forward This ain't your granddad's news and comment show This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dalimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 816 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, and indeed, the the scholarly Brittany Page, everybody.
3: So there's two things that I want to say up front, because we typically talk about them in the Patreon mid-roll section, which I'm sure a lot of people just skip, 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 skip to get past. (laughs) So two things. We just put a giant batch of magnets and stickers in the mail for new Patreon supporters. So if you haven't received your welcome Patreon package, I guess we could call it, and you're expecting it, it, it is on the way. And if you do not receive a magnet or sticker, please reach out to us. We will remedy that. And we are also going to be having our Patreon hangout this weekend. It's always the last Saturday of the month, unless otherwise specified. Sometimes we have to cancel it or move it last minute because of something that we already have booked. But it is the last Saturday of the month at 1 p.m. Eastern. So that is going to be Saturday the 30th, coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern. And we send out a link with a Zoom link that you can click on to access the call. And it is other listeners. It's Jesse and me, and we all talk and have a good time. So join us for that.
4: And on
2: the note of the uh, Patreon, what'd you call it, welcome package? Yeah. um, There's two reasons why you wouldn't be getting one. One would be a failure of the United States Postal Service, and the other one would be a failure of you because you're not a patron on Patreon yet. Wow. See what I did there?
3: That's, I mean, a vicious it's an attack. an insulting
2: way... To cajole people into becoming Patreon supporters. I think it's the best way is just to be really, really vicious.
3: People love and respond really well to being <laughs> attacked personally. I've that's what I have found.
2: So if you would like, if you respond well to attacks, vicious attacks, and you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast.
3: Yes. Now with that <laughs> aside. I think it's time for a little update on how things are going in DC because we moved from Southern California to Washington DC early this year. We've talked about a few of the hiccups that we've experienced over that period of time yeah, yeah. and we are currently experiencing some more hiccups in the midst of a very hot summer, very mosquito-filled summer. Yeah. And
2: The mosquitoes, man.
3: Oh it's it's bad. I mean I attract them like crazy.
2: And it's listen, I'm I'm from northern Idaho. I I've made jokes for years that the Idaho state bird isn't the mountain bluebird but the mosquito. Mhm. Much to great rounds of laughter and applause at what a wonderful joke it is. And uh even like I'm I don't remember when I lived here before and I didn't live in the city. Mhm. Literal clouds of mosquitoes, like you know when you see the sparrows or the the birds in the sky, and they're just going all crazy and some. It looks like a
3: a formation,
2: yeah, the weird formation that's just like following each other and it's it spreads apart and comes together and it's just a cloud of birds. Yeah, it's the same fucking thing with mosquitoes here in D.C.
3: I wish everyone could see what you were just doing with your gesticulating wildly just now, like it was pretty. Intense.
2: Well, I can't communicate if, yeah. like, if I put my hands in my pockets right now, <laughs> it would be uh, it, it would not 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 great for the the audio format.
3: Yeah. Well, that's
2: that's a representation of me with my hands in my 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 jokes are on point today. Thank you, everybody. I'll be here all week. <laughs>
3: well, and just before this, you were talking about how jazzed up you were to do the show. <laughs> I guess I'm not helping either because I'm not I'm not giving you laughter track that you need so aside from that though we have gotten a lot of emails of people suggesting different bug sprays and different solutions and all that's fine and well and we appreciate that because we we needed that advice but what I'm finding is that it's a pain in the ass to have to lather myself in a bug cream or bug spray every time I go outside because they say Avoid going out at dusk and dawn. Like, that's the most common time for mosquitoes. Yeah, that's... And that doesn't matter at all. I will be standing at the front door in the middle of the day with Sweepy, and I will look down, and I will have three mosquitoes biting me at one time. Yeah. It's wild.
2: I think I want to do, like, a Flavor Flav style clock but instead it's like i'm walking around with a fucking citronella candle, yeah. candle around my neck because yeah. it's i'm not fucking around when i say clouds of mosquitoes there's a tree yeah many trees out at our block in front of our house and one of them it, it's like a no-go zone for mm-hmm. sweepy to sit there and take a dump in front of because yeah it's just a nightmare for hundreds of mosquitoes doing their bird formation thing while i just gesticulate wildly.
3: Yeah. So one thing we are enjoying is the Metro. That's been a nice thing that we have
2: just started, just
3: discovered, just started doing. And it's really convenient. It's really nice, especially in the midst of hundred degree weather, you can go down there and it's really cool <laughs> yeah. and air conditions. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and that's really nice. It's it, it gets you where you need to go quickly and for very cheap. Yeah. So I, I've been really enjoying the Metro feeling like I'm a City girl on the metro. I mean,
2: I'm used to, I took the metro 20 years ago when I was a staffer on the hill. I'm not a staffer, I was never a staffer, but worked on the hill and did did the metro thing. But it is... uh,
3: I was mocking you when I did that.
2: Was that a mock? Yeah. You really need to work on your mock game. Well, that I was, was fucking weeks off. I
3: was trying to oh. steal the bridesmaids. Oh, you oh, do. Oh, you do. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, stove.
3: I've taken the metro so much. That's what you sounded like.
2: Well, we it's it's strange how our 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 maturation process moving to the city uh-huh. has gone because when we first got here, we fucking Ubered everywhere. Yeah. Because we don't know the city that well and what places aren't great and what places are okay, and what times of the day, and, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a different environment. Right. And then we, we, about three months in, just started walking everywhere, which was mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. And then, now we're, we're, we've moved on to the next phase, which is metro time. Yeah. And it's great, because we don't have to, well, one, we don't drive the car very often at all, anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, things, we're city people now, everybody, it's, a. Uh, the the transformation, the metamorphosis is uh, nearly complete.
3: Well, what's funny about that is I remember when I moved to Southern California from Idaho, and I got lost on the freeway, and I like came home crying, and I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, but it's, didn't everything you, is so scary?
2: Didn't you get on and you like drove like somewhere, and you ended up like near L.A. Like you drove for like a half hour and you're almost in Los Angeles. No,
3: I was going to Los Angeles. Oh, that's
2: where you were going. Correct. Okay.
3: Yeah. But we don't need to dissect and go any further (laughs) about how terrible things were in terms of my driving. Listen, this was before you had access to plug in your phone in your car and the map was right there. I mean, I was in a 97 Toyota Tercel, and... You're
2: making it sound like you were in a horse and buggy.
3: I was... I think I was still printing directions with a, out, maybe. With, with an atlas
2: next to you, or, or as your students used to call it, a map, a, a book filled with maps.
3: Yes. That was a good conversation, because the kid was like, yeah, my parents were telling me that you used to have to drive around with this big book of maps, and I said, yeah, an atlas, and they looked at me like I was an idiot, and they said... No, like a big book with maps.
2: (laughs) So that's you in your 97 Tercel.
3: Yeah. I want the confidence of that child. Back
2: in the old days. I
3: want the confidence of that child.
2: So anyway, things are going great. Brittany is a a big, she's a big metro butterfly. Yes. It's a callback to the metamorphosis Mm -hmm. remark. Your comedy is on point today, everybody. Yeah. Welcome to episode 816. (sighs) Let's move on before things really go downhill too quickly and it's uh, irreparable damage has been done to our audience and our reputations mm-hmm. might be too late. Let's get to some listener communication. But before we do, I want to drop the phone number for you in case you would like to sound off and get your opinion on the record. 657-464-7609. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to it at com
5: hey jesse hey Brittany. um i know that the whole birth control though could not pass and i was just wondering what you guys thought about because they could put in like different stipulations like i take birth control yes because i don't want to get pregnant but it also helps regulate my mood because of a mood disorder. If I don't take birth control, I could actually have mood swings. So I was just wondering if you guys thought that there might maybe be a chance that they could possibly have a stipulation where birth control can help people with different mood disabilities and stuff like that. So I am actually really, really like terrified about that. Like cause I don't. Want to go crazy and birth control, yes, it helps me not get pregnant, but it also keeps me from going crazy. So, what do you guys think about that? Um, I love you guys. That's the best part. I hope to keep these doing good. Okay, bye.
3: Well, the House Democrats included the benefits of the health benefits of birth control in their discussion of the contraceptive bill. And it wasn't enough still to convince Republicans in the House to vote for it. So it it was part of the debate. It was part of the discussion because it is an important part of the debate and an important part of the discussion. It, it isn't just about giving people power over their reproductive process. Yeah. It is about reducing the likelihood according to some studies of certain cancers of cysts in your breasts and ovaries it helps lighten your period it helps you with cramps it can prevent or help with anemia it helps with pms it it has several different health benefits aside from giving people control over reproduction
2: yeah so the other thing i would say that i would caution the audience about is you're not you can't bring you can't bring logic to a to a knife fight you're not going to rationality your way out of or rationality a Republican into agreeing with you because of all of the the very real world scenarios that you're talking about here anonymous caller um, they are their policy objectives are more clearly and more overtly based on religious dogma and just fucking Christo-fascism. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a theme that I'm talking about on YouTube over and over and over and over on purpose for the fact that this is what we're going to be dealing with for the ne- next decade. It's people like Marjorie Taylor Greene who openly, it used to be something that wasn't openly talked about that I'm a Christian nationalist. Because of the prohibitions of the commingling of church and state in our constitution, but they don't fucking care about that. And they don't care about your arguments about your mood disorder. They don't care about arguments about people not wanting to be, to get pregnant because the government is not going to help them after a baby is born. None of that matters to them. All they care about is their domestic supply of babies and oppressing people who aren't white, cisgendered men.
3: Well, And you are starting to see Republicans get more direct and overt about this. I don't know if you saw the clip of the Minnesota candidate for Lieutenant Governor Matt Burke talking about abortion. And this was a few weeks ago, a few days ago, when the headlines were going around about the 10-year-old rape victim that had Mm -hmm. to travel to Indiana. And he was saying that you keep hearing the rape card being played is is the phrase that I he remember used. that clip. And he said that abortion won't heal the wounds of rape. But he also said, quote, our culture loudly but also stealthily promotes abortion, telling women they should look a certain way, have careers. I mean, this is... Yeah. Out of his mouth, he said this, a candidate for lieutenant governor in Minnesota. Yeah. About women having careers.
2: You know, I see a lot of criticism on online for the argument or the comparison of Margaret Atwood's um, Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. There's criticism of the women who go to these protests dressed as handmaids and all that. And I would love someone to explain to me what, what the criticism, why that's a valid criticism that these women shouldn't be doing that because that's the trajectory we're on. That's where they want us to be. They don't want women to work you have many people out there who have influence within the conservative sphere saying that women shouldn't even be voting. We're going back to a time. They want us, they want to drag us back to that time. I'd love for someone to explain to me why Margaret Atwood's Handmaid's Tale is not an apt comparison and not something that we should be talking about and bringing up because I I don't understand why it's, Not right the fuck on point.
3: So one thing for Anonymous Caller, I guess the hope is still alive that the debate in the Senate can convince enough Republicans to overcome the filibuster. That really is the hope right now. And I'm not sure why, but it it seems like based on reporting that for the marriage equality bill, it looks like it's closer to getting enough Republican support to Mm -hmm. pass that. Closer than the bill regarding contraceptive access. And I, I don't know how to explain that. I don't know what's happening there. I'm I'm very, very confused about that. But you have Senator Rob Portman of Ohio that says uh, he's going to co-sponsor the Senate's version of the marriage equality bill. And then you have Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina who says he's probably going to vote in support of yeah. gay marriage you have Susan Collins of Maine Lisa Murkowski of Alaska who said that they favor protecting marriage equality so you're having some republican senators come forward and say
2: and we need 10 of them
3: yes you need 10 and some of them are coming forward and saying they're likely to support or they plan on support
2: i say we need 10 because we need 10 to uh to to have a cloture vote which is limiting debate to to overcome the the mechanisms of the fucking filibuster rules Mm -hmm. which is goddamn nonsense that it can't be just a straight up up and down majority vote
3: right so senate majority leader chuck schumer wants to bring the bill to the floor and is trying to gauge republican support and whether or not these these bills will be able to to pass yeah
2: I, i i'm with you i have no it blows my mind why gay marriage would be okay for republicans but contracept, contraception, not. Mm-hmm. I, I, It just, I'd love for somebody to fucking explain that to me. Apparently, that's the theme of the show, me asking the audience to explain shit to me.
3: Yeah, so we have an email on this same note. Thank you to anonymous caller who didn't use a name. So, of course, if someone doesn't use a name, that's an anonymous caller. And that goes for emails as well. If you send us an email and you do not put your name in the email, We do not extrapolate your name from the email address or whatever you are an anonymous person. You can also specify in your email, if you do put your name, that you would prefer to have it read anonymously, and we honor that. So here's an email from Rachel. Dear Jesse and Brittany, this email has been written and rewritten several times since the repeal of Roe v. Wade. It felt like a punch to the gut, even though we knew it was coming. My daughter and I were in South Dakota for a friend's wedding when I learned of the news. It was on the way back to our Airbnb when I told my daughter, she is 15, she was quiet for several minutes and then began to cry. Through tears, she told me that she doesn't want to live in a country where she doesn't have bodily autonomy. Where do we go from here and how do we instill in our younger generations that this country is still worth fighting for? How do we do it when as adults we have some of those same feelings ourselves? Today, I decided to delete this draft because I wasn't really sure I wanted to send it. Then, on our way to breakfast while listening to I Doubt It, she told me she wanted to be on the pill. She didn't want to end up like the 10-year-old who was raped. She felt that if she was on the pill, she would be covered if she was raped. My heart sank in that moment. I did not tell her that the right to use contraceptives is also in jeopardy. Your friend,
6: Rachel.
2: Yeah, there's so much there. Um Let me just answer what's easiest for me to answer. And that would be about, is it worth fighting for this country? Is is this still a country worth fighting for?
3: Well, I think the question is also, how do we instill, according to Rachel, how do we instill our younger generations that this country is still worth fighting for?
2: Well, you have to accept the premise that it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say maybe it's not. However... There are people who have the, the power, the money, the privilege, the career, the education that they could seek to live elsewhere out of the country, whether that be Canada or some, some European nation or wherever, wherever that would be an, an easy crossover, like no language barriers, things like that. But there are tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of Americans who cannot make that choice, who do not have that privilege. So, whether or not the country is worth fighting for, I do not know, but the people who live here who cannot leave, who cannot escape, who do not who do not have that choice, they're worth fighting for um and I guess you know it could be said that the people are the country, and it is it's a that is what the country is is we the people, so maybe i'm I'm talking myself out of a i don't know i i i do believe it's worth fighting for, I do believe that uh our neighbors and people who don't have it as easy as us uh, are worth fighting for the people who don't have necessarily the 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 political mobility to the, the ability to mobilize and 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 um have their voice be as powerful fuck yeah i'm going to stand in the gap for them and we are without fighting we are just it's it, it just a, it, it's a given that we are surrendering and giving up the Repub- giving up the, the country to a Republican rule for generations. Because apart from these draconian policies that they are trying to inflict on the people, they're also trying to secure power unchecked power through voter suppression and anti-democratic policies. So I'm, I feel very sad mm-hmm. for your daughter. Rachel, I feel very sad for all of the the Rachel's daughters out there who are coming of age in a terrible time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: A terrible time.
3: Well, it's it's hard, I think, to find something to say in response to that because i I keep thinking of different things, and then I ask myself, "Is that trite?" I I, I don't know. Yeah. It it just seems like we don't have any other choice to keep fighting, to stay angry, to keep pushing for change, because that's how it's going to happen. And, and that doesn't mean that you can't feel sad. I mean, sometimes when Jesse and I are planning the show, we're not in the mood to talk about all this yeah, because yeah. it feels hopeless. And then we remember that we don't have a choice. We have to keep pushing forward. We have to keep trying. And it's actually frustrating because sometimes we'll get voicemails from Democrats who are angry with us for saying that we need to vote for Democrats because they point to their ineffectiveness, particularly in the Biden administration, and they highlight a lot of the flaws. And that's all fair. We, We do that, too. We highlight the flaws. We talk about criticism. We do all that. It's very important. But if you are not voting for Democrats... Things are going to be much worse, not only for Rachel's daughter and the other Rachel's daughters out there, but for black people, for the LGBTQ community, for other people of color. So this isn't about you and your frustrations with the Democratic Party. We share that. We have our frustrations too, but we're trying to stave off something that is prepared to grow and get much, much worse Yeah. if the Republicans gain more power than they already have. Yeah.
2: I mean, listen, I, I think it's clear after 816 episodes that I loathe Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. not a fan, did not want to reward her with power mm-hmm. any more than she's already attained in her life. And I voted for her. I held my fucking nose and I voted for her because I knew what the outcome would be with Donald Trump. And if you're one of those people that say, oh, there's no difference between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, shut your fucking mouth. Because we are witnessing the fruit of that outlook. We are harvesting the, the fruit of that particular outlook. We see now, Because Hillary Clinton, maybe she wouldn't have appointed uh, the best jurists in your opinion to place on the Supreme Court. Maybe not, but it wouldn't be any fucking Coney Barrett or Bart O'Kavanaugh or goddamn Neil Gorsuch. We would still have, right now, Roe v. Wade intact. Now, we would have Roe v. Wade intact along with a pretty feckless Democratic Congress that's not willing to do in years and decades what it takes to codify it into law. We'd still have that. But women in over half the country would have access to abortion. I, and we're rehashing old territory here with the Hillary Clinton thing. but
3: Yeah, but we recently got a few voicemails about this, so I want to address it. And I don't want to play them because sometimes people send us like eight-minute-long voicemails, which let yeah. me just say right now, we're not playing that on the show. We're not going to play an 8-minute long voicemail. the voice memo that you send into the show. We're not playing that. Uh, so please stop with that.
2: I mean, get your own fucking show. Get yeah, a just, podcast. Yeah, start, start a podcast. Exactly.
3: But people will ask the question, how are we supposed to have any power over the Democrats if they know that we're going to vote for them no matter what because the Republicans are always going to be worse. Okay, we'll deal with that later when people aren't sending us emails about their kids crying because they don't want to be raped and then have no choice in the matter but to have a child when they're 10 years old. Okay, let's worry about whether or not we have power to influence the Democrats at a different time. Well, I
2: mean, people are talking about like remodeling the kitchen while the fucking house is on fire. I don't care what color the cabinets are. The house is on fucking fire. Let's prioritize as clear-thinking individuals about what we can do, what we should do, and what things should be focused on right now in this moment of crisis.
3: And we have the ability to do that. We're all thinking people. Yeah, We're able to prioritize different things. Listen, if there is a primary... And there's a more progressive candidate. You support that progressive candidate. But if it's, a, if it's an election with a Democrat who maybe you didn't prefer and a Republican, it's a Democrat. Yeah. That's where we are. And it sucks. Sure, it's not great. It's not ideal. But that's where we are because, because things wh- are going to get much worse.
2: Imagine being in the voters booth in the ballot box, whatever the fuck, and you've got Rachel's daughter in there with you. Ooh, what are you going to do? Sorry. Sorry, kid. I'm angry at the Democrats. Your fears of rape and possible pregnancy and the inability to to obtain an abortion. Nah, not as important as my grudges with the the American political landscape right now. Right. Fuck you and your selfishness. Yeah. And I don't think I'm speaking to many people out there. But, you know, the message needs to be needs to be out there.
3: Yeah. So thank you for the call and the email. I know that those were not the lightest topics to begin the show, but this is what we do. This is important. And if you had a thought that came up as you were listening to the anonymous listeners voicemail, if you had a thought that came up when you were listening to me read Rachel's email, Please send us an email or a voice memo, but do not make it eight minutes long, 657-464-7609 or idoubtit at dollamore.com.
6: I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast.
3: We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, William L.
6: William L.
3: Dan M.
2: Dan M. And
3: Ed H. Ed H. And then we would love to give a special shout out to Insane Atheist.
2: Insane Atheist.
3: Insane Atheist more than doubled the pledge. Wow. Very, very kind of you, Insane And
2: fucking-tastic as, as the saying goes, Brittany.
3: I've heard that saying before, <laughs> and that is how it goes. So thank you to each and every one of our Patreon supporters. Like I said, if you haven't gotten your Patreon welcome package, as it were, after becoming a Patreon supporter, I don't know how this happened, but now it's that. It's a welcome package. That's what it is. It's a tiny envelope with a magnet and stickers in it, but (laughs) we're calling it a welcome package. (laughs) Don't get excited. Do not expect too much. You open
2: it up and it's like (laughs) confetti flies out.
3: Yeah, it's not going to be that. So thank you very much. We could not do this without you. We are so grateful for the community around the show that you all participate in in helping to move the conversation forward and offering support to your fellow listeners we so appreciate that. And we're, we're grateful to each and every one of you. So thank you for supporting the show.
2: Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism.
3: So even though the finale... Of the season one of the January sixth committee completed.
2: I've decided I don't like talking about it in those terms.
3: Okay, because it's uh, making it an entertainment thing.
2: Yeah. I, well, I, I, I mean, I'm being a little tongue in cheek, but I like. I've decided. Ha 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 Uh, but it does. Uh, I think the Republicans have really wanted to, to 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 create this narrative that it's a Hollywood. See, they 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 consulted Hollywood producers, and they're going to make this entertainment. And I don't know.
3: Okay. So,
2: just makes me feel bad inside.
3: The final committee meeting of the January 6th (laughs) has concluded, and they are not done releasing new material. And through Twitter, they are releasing new material. The latest is this clip of various Trump officials, like Ivanka Trump, Trump officials, just his family basically is in this clip. Right. Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner, talking about, again, this statement of healing that was constructed after January 6th. They talk about it as though they started kind of workshopping what this statement was going to look like the evening of January 6th. And what they haven't shown and what is new about this information from the January 6th committee is Donald Trump's handwritten notes on this actual statement, which shows where his head was at and what he actually wanted to say.
1: I'm not sure when those conversations began, because they could have started early the next morning, but I believe um, they started um, that evening, on the evening of the, the 6th.
7: I thought we should give the statement on the 7th,
6: and obviously move forward on transition. I sat with her. I spoke to Miller uh, about trying to put together some draft remarks for Jan 7 uh, that we were going to present to the president to try to say uh, we felt like it was important to further call for de-escalation.
5: From what I understood at the time and from what the reports were coming in, there is a large concern of the 25th Amendment potentially being invoked. And there were concerns about what would happen in the Senate if it was, if the 25th was invoked. So the primary reason that I had heard, other than, you know, we did not do enough on the 6th, we need to get a stronger message out there and condemn this. This, Otherwise, this will be your legacy. The secondary reason to that was, think about what might happen in the final 15 days of your presidency if we don't do this. There's already talks about invoking the 25th Amendment. You need this as cover. Do you recognize what this is?
1: It looks like a, a copy of a draft of the remarks for that day.
7: Um,
0: and as you can see throughout the document, there are lines crossed out. There are some, um, there are some words uh, added in. Do you recognize the handwriting? It looks like
1: my father's handwriting.
4: In my view, he needed to express very clearly that the people who committed a violent acts, went into the Capitol, did what they did, should be prosecuted and should be arrested.
0: It looks like here that, that he crossed out uh, that he was directing the Department of Justice to ensure all lawbreakers are prosecuted to the full extent of the law. We must send a clear message, not with mercy, but with justice. Legal consequences must be swift and firm. Do you know Why? He wanted that crossed out. I don't know.
4: And that needed to be stated forcefully. They did not represent him or uh, or, or the his political views in any form or fashion.
0: He also has crossed out, I want to be very clear, you do not represent me. You do not represent our movement. Do you, remember, do you know why he crossed that language out of the statement? I don't know.
7: Can you describe a little more for me about what Mr. Kushner was asking you to do?
0: I don't remember if it was a video message or a speech he was going to give or something, but um, I know people were deciding like what he should say or what he should do, and then um, he knew since I'm always with him that, hey, if he asks your opinion, you know, try to nudge this along. This will help everything cool down. So that's N- what I did. Nudge it along
7: in what way? What, is, what does that mean?
0: To make sure he give, delivers this speech or whatever it was. I don't know if it was a video or a speech or something. It was either right. it, was a, it was within a few days of, after January 6th.
7: Was the implication that the president was in some ways reluctant to give that yeah. speech? Yeah. Okay. What do you base that on?
0: The fact that somebody has to tell me to nudge it along. So this is
3: a a mashup of different people. I was a little... Uh, simplistic when I said it was just Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner. You also had Pat Cipollone in there, the former White House counsel. You had Cassidy Hutchinson, the former aide to Mark Meadows. You had Eric Hirschman, the Mm -hmm. former White House senior advisor. And then at the end there, you had John McEntee, the former director of the White House presidential personnel office. So this is kind of illustrating that people were encouraging him to say the things that he ended up crossing out on this draft of the remarks on national healing and specifically he crossed out. I am directing the department of justice to ensure all lawbreakers are prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. We must send a clear message, not with mercy, but with justice legal consequences must be swift and firm.
2: And listen, I'm going to repeat this and I think, and this is, I guess a prediction, but I think we're going to find in subsequent months through both government investigations, um, the, the DOJ, the, the committee, through journalism, I think we're going to find out that there was someone in his ear giving him legal advice to say, "Hey, don't admit that they were breaking laws because there's a direct line between what the fuck you did and what they did, mm-hmm. and you might be culpable. You might be on the hook for inciting this. And if you admit that they create that, that they committed crimes." Ugh, It's going to cause a problem for you. I think we're going to learn that.
3: Right. He also crossed out, I want to be very clear, you do not represent me, you do not represent our movement. Then he also crossed out the part of the the sentence, he left this part in, and if you broke the law, you, it originally said belong in jail, he crossed that out and wrote-
2: Will pay, right? Must pay. Must pay. But then
3: he crossed out must and wrote will. Yeah. So that's- interesting almost like he does he think must was too strong and will pay is kind of like giving wiggle room i'm like you'll you'll pay for that
2: yeah we'll I, see. Th- I think it's must meaning he's commanding it it's my opinion that you must be mm-hmm. rather than well you're you're likely gonna pay it's it's gonna happen yeah no it's not what i want but
5: <laughs> it's probably
2: what's gonna happen <laughs> I, I don't know though who fucking i mean listen it would be folly for me to try to Inhabit the mind of Donald Trump, Bernie Page. Yeah. That's a scary fucking carnival ride, so.
3: Yeah, it sure is. So Joe Biden this week actually had some direct comments for Donald Trump, which he doesn't often do. But in light of everything that's coming out from the January 6th committee, he specifically focused on Donald Trump's uh, lack of courage to act during the insurrection.
2: And this was remarks, pre-recorded remarks to like the the Black Law Enforcement Association. And uh, in the final moments of his speech, he said this.
4: Let me close with this. Every day we rely on law enforcement to save lives. Then on January 6th, we relied on law enforcement to save our democracy. We saw what happened. The Capitol Police, the D.C. Metropolitan Police, other law enforcement agencies were attacked and assaulted before our very eyes, speared, sprayed, stomped on, brutalized, and lives were lost. And for three hours, the defeated former president of the United States watched it all happen as he sat in the comfort of the private dining room next to the Oval Office while he was doing that brave law enforcement officer subject to the medieval hell for three hours, dripping in blood, surrounded by carnage face-to-face face with crazed mob that believed the lies of the defeated president. The police were heroes that day. Donald Trump lacked the courage to act. The brave women and men in blue all across this nation should never forget that. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-cop. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-democracy. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-American. There can be no greater responsibility that to do all we can to ensure the safety of our families, our children, our community, our nation, and our law enforcement officers. I will always meet that duty, just as you do every single day, as members of a critically important organization. May God bless you all.
8: Is this a
3: COVID voice?
2: Uh, I don't know. It was pre-recorded. Uh It is a little raspy. Yeah. I don't know when it was recorded, though, so it's hard to say.
3: Kind of sounds like a COVID voice. <laughs> I, I hear some sickness. Kind of a,
2: kind of a sultry thing going on. A little bit, yeah. yeah.
3: It's a different Joe Biden voice, is what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he said directly, you cannot be pro-cop and pro-insurrection. And I think this is a direct challenge to the fact that Donald Trump actually was in D.C. yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to the dueling speeches that are continuing between him and Mike Pence in a bit, but the speech that he gave was focused on law and order and crime. Shockingly. I know that yeah, he's yeah. like continuing with his greatest hits and we're all surprised by that, but I think this is a good line from Joe Biden that you cannot be pro cop and pro insurrection. How convincing it's going to be for the people that are pro cop and pro insurrection. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure, but
2: yeah. yeah. Well, this came on the heels of just before Donald Trump's speech and and these remarks by Joe Biden, just before it was leaked that the Justice Department is now actually, officially investigating Donald Trump in its criminal probe. They're questioning members of, of, of Mike Pence's staff about the fake elector scheme
9: it is too early to tell whether the former president is a target of this criminal investigation here at DOJ, but one thing is for certain. People in his orbit are definitely in the crosshairs of prosecutors. Investigators right now, we're told, focused on seized phone records and that fake elector scheme that, if successful, would have potentially overturned the results or at least tried to overturn the results of the 2020 election.
6: Then I won a second time, did much
9: better the second time, did a lot better. Former President Donald Trump repeated his false claims of election fraud on Tuesday as the Justice Department deepened its investigation into the election aftermath. If I renounced my beliefs and just took it easy, the persecution of Donald
6: Trump would stop immediately.
9: CBS News has confirmed the DOJ prosecutors working on the January 6th investigation questioned witnesses before a grand jury, including two top advisors to then Vice President Mike Pence.
2: I did receive a subpoena for the federal grand jury, and I complied with that subpoena.
9: Part of the investigation is focusing on potential fraud after the 2020 election and the alleged efforts by Trump allies to use fake electors supporting Mr. Trump. The other focus is on the alleged conspiracy to stop a government proceeding and the certification Signed of electoral votes, as prosecutors look into the pressure campaign on then-Vice President Mike Pence. He was also back in D.C. on Tuesday for a dueling speech, offering a vision for a GOP that can embrace Trump loyalists.
7: I don't know that the president and I differ on issues.
9: But we may differ on focus. This DOJ investigation is different from the current congressional inquiry, which cannot result in a criminal prosecution. But committee members have supported a criminal probe into former President Trump.
1: I sure as hell hope they have a criminal investigation at this point into Donald Trump.
9: In an interview with NBC News on Tuesday, Attorney General Merrick Garland said that no one is above the law we intend to hold everyone anyone who was criminally responsible for the events surrounding January 6 for any attempt to interfere with the lawful transfer of
6: power from one administration to another accountable
9: Almost daily now, the AG is peppered with questions about whether he could indict or charge a former president. It is a weighty decision, and it would be unprecedented. In the past, the former president has denied any wrongdoing. Gail.
8: All right, Jeff, thank you very
6: much.
3: So we previously knew that the Justice Department was looking at the conduct of John Eastman, Rudy Giuliani, other people in Donald Trump's orbit, but we did not know, and what is new about this reporting is the interest in Donald Trump's actions specifically.
2: Asking specific questions about Donald Trump in grand jury.
3: And the review of senior aides for Donald Trump and their phone records. That's new. Yeah. And that's big.
2: Yeah, it means there's... Su- because it's not just like, oh, hey, if you can give me those records, that would be great. The, the grand jury issues subpoenas. And you... It's... There are copious amounts of subpoenas that are sent out by each grand jury. And th- this is just part and parcel to that process. And it's... This is not a good day for Donald Trump. And this is why he's coming to D.C. to do speeches. He's picking up the the pace of his... um rallies he's he's hastening his run for office in hopes that it will extricate him from investigation indictment and criminal prosecution
3: well and going back to your comments at the beginning of the show about how you can't reason your way out of certain republican yeah policies or their logic donald trump again focusing on law and order and crime But he has spent years attacking the Justice Department and the FBI. So in his speech in D.C., he was focusing on how we can respect the police again, how they need to be restored to how they were held up in society and respected when he's attacking the Justice Department and the FBI because they attack him. But according to this reporting from Washington Post, one person familiar with the probe said that investigators specifically are seeking to understand, at a minimum, what Trump told his lawyers and senior officials to do. So they are looking directly at what did Donald Trump say, what did he yeah. tell, what did he direct people to do, what were his actions specifically?
2: Yeah. Listen, and it just I, this goes unsaid, but it's not going to go unsaid. I'm going to say it. Uh, it. It strains logic and reason to assume or or to assert that people like Rudy Giuliani and others were acting independently of the will of Donald Trump, that they're just out there going rogue. No. Donald Trump was in on the decision-making. He's the tip of the spear. He's the one calling the shots. And they don't act without his absolute approval.
3: Right. So in the midst of all this, Donald Trump, we know, is likely going to be announcing his candidacy. Wait, wait,
2: wait. wait. Are you, your, your intro in the next clip. Yeah. Let's go back for just a second. Did you hear Mike Pence say, there's no difference between me and Donald Trump. We just have different approaches or whatever the fuck he said.
3: Yeah. (laughs) We're going to get to that in depth, too.
2: Oh, is is it coming up? All right. Because I didn't want to pass on that.
3: (laughs) So don't worry. We're going to get there. So in the midst of all of this, we are aware that Donald Trump is going to be or is planning to announce his candidacy before the midterms likely. And so he is making appearances, having dueling rallies with Mike Pence because Mike Pence is also kind of workshopping whether or not his boring ass is going to announce a candidacy for president. And Donald Trump and Pence, again, after they had dueling rallies in Arizona, had dueling speeches in D.C., Former President Trump is back in the nation's capital for the first time since leaving office. His address at the America First Agenda Summit is expected to be a major policy speech. Mr. Trump's speech comes just hours after his former running mate touted his own agenda for the Republican Party. Mr. Pence's speech at the Young America's Foundation focused on
5: his freedom agenda and moving the GOP forward.
7: I came today not to look backwards, but to look forward. The truth of the matter is, now more than ever, conservatives need to be focused on the challenges Americans are facing today and offer a bold and positive agenda of solutions for the future.
1: CBS News political correspondent Caitlin Huey Burns joins us now with more from Washington. Caitlin, always great to see you. So what stood out to you the most from Mr. Pence's speech? Hey, Tanya. Well, this idea of looking towards the future and not towards the past, you can guess who he's talking about there. That's his former boss, former President Trump, who is also in Washington today. We kind of have this situation where it's a split screen situation where you have both uh, Trump and Pence in Washington giving these kind of dueling speeches. We saw that a little bit over the weekend when they were both in Arizona. And what's significant about Pence is that he is laying the groundwork essentially for his own presidential run, perhaps, and really not paying Uh, too close attention to what Trump is doing. He's giving kind of these subtle nods or nudges or kind of pokes a little bit by kind of digging at Trump a little bit by saying that he's focused on the last election while Republicans need to be focused on the future and policy items that they need to run on. But it's interesting because Pence is also talking and touting the agenda items of the Trump-Pence administration. Uh, He and other Republicans are promoting a lot of those agenda items Um, that Republicans are likely going to try to run on in these midterms. So it'll be interesting to see how Pence kind of navigates this, but significant that he's not waiting for a decision from Trump. He's kind of going ahead. He's giving these kinds of speeches. He's endorsing candidates that the president isn't endorsing or that are running against the president's choices. So kind of an interesting dynamic between a president and his former vice president. Yeah, Caitlin, on that front, uh, it seems like a very clear line is being drawn. How have members of the Republican Party been reacting to the separation between the former president and vice president? Yeah, well, it's interesting because they are kind of setting up two different camps. Are you in the Trump wing? Or are you in the Pence wing or some kind of other uh, lane that might be occupied by someone like a Larry Hogan or others who are just kind of, you know, turning their noses at Trump? Uh, but here, you know, that line is kind of being drawn. Do you want to focus on the past election and past grievances or do you want to focus on Republican policies and contrasting with the current administration and Democrats and and that's what Trump was, or excuse me, what Pence was essentially saying in his speech today. But at the same time, you have a Republican Party base that is still very connected to the former president. He got a big crowd in Arizona. He's been endorsing candidates up and down the ballot and endorsing candidates who believe his false claims or say they believe his false claims about the election. So this is really kind of a, a crossroads for the party about what they want to focus on.
3: And Pence... Wants to focus on what they're focusing on, or he wants everyone to focus on <laughs> what they're focusing on.
2: Oh, I'm so glad it's it's exactly it's so confusing. Well, because there's no separation between these two idiots,
3: and that's what's weird is they're having dueling speeches. All of this is coming out about how Donald Trump was like, yeah, they're right, the insurrectionists about wanting to hang Mike Pence. They're they're right. <laughs> And he still isn't coming out forcefully and trying to distinguish himself from the man who was championing the people who wanted to kill him.
2: I mean, it is if the only difference between them is participating in the insurrection, Mm -hmm. come on. I mean, are Republicans really like, oh, no, that's a big difference? I mean, it is a big difference, but as far as policy is concerned... The Republican Party is just a mess. It is absolute, as a political entity, it is a mess.
3: Yeah, so let's listen to Mike Pence go a bit further in attempting to illustrate why he's the better choice.
7: Now, some people may choose to focus on the past, but elections are about the future. Mm-hmm. And I believe conservatives must focus on the future to win back America. Mm. Oh, so I don't know that our movement is that divided. I don't. I don't know that the president and I differ on issues,
2: but we may differ on focus. That untrue. You you don't. What does that mean on focus? Does that mean he's focusing on the twenty twenty election results and I'm not? That's what.
3: Well, I think he's keeping it nebulous because he knows that the majority of Republicans believe that the 2020 election was stolen. So related to like where they differ on policy, I guess that's kind of the central question. If you want to focus on the future and you don't want to focus on the past, it seems like he's very clearly trying to say we need to move forward from the election lies that Donald Trump has been, been spouting. But does he believe that the election was stolen? Because,
2: He's not not saying it wasn't.
3: If you do believe that, then it seems like maybe you you can't just move on from that. So if you're saying you don't disagree on policy issues, you're not really distinguishing yourself from him all that much, but you just want to focus on the future. What does that mean? I mean,
2: he's pulling a Mo Brooks here. Congressman Mo Brooks from Alabama, who says, yeah, I do believe it was stolen. But after January 6th, there was no path forward to to remedy the situation. So he wants it absolutely both ways. Let's move forward. Let's focus on the future, even though a presidential election was stolen from someone. Come the fuck on. Yeah, It's just, it's appealing to the rabid frothing at the mouth base who uh, live their lives in adherence to conspiracy theories.
3: Yeah, so we'll see. I wonder if the January 6th committee hearings will have any impact whatsoever on the polling Regarding how many Republicans actually believe the election was stolen, I'll, I'll be curious to see if that that number goes down. Of course, Public Religion Research Institute found that 66% of Republicans believe that the election was stolen. Yeah. So if that number doesn't move very much, Mike Pence doesn't seem like he's going to be very successful. I mean, he's he's not going to be very successful anyway, but... Especially well, think, if that number doesn't move. I
2: think it really depends upon where conservative media focuses their cameras.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The Fox News covered Mike Pence's speech, not Trump's, mm-hmm. yesterday. So that's really the key piece that we need to focus, or we will see. We're not going to focus on it, but we'll, we'll see what happens because that's going to be, because you know, this low information crowd, they talk about doing their own research, but really it's either going to Newsmax or, or Fox News.
3: That's true. That's a good point. I will say that my discounting Mike Pence and his success so preemptively is based on polling of Republicans' preferences regarding presidential candidates. And I'm not just talking about Turning Point USA being polled, the attendees yeah. at Turning Point USA, where it was 80%, I think, of of the attendees at Turning Point USA wanted Donald Trump. I'm talking about like CNBC's poll, I think from yesterday that just came out where they found it was for sure over 40% that wanted Donald Trump. I think it was closer to 48%. And then you had like 25% that preferred Ron DeSantis. So Ron DeSantis seems to be in the number two spot yeah, after I, Donald Trump.
2: When I talk about the, the, the battle between uh, Pence and, and and Trump and the attention and where it goes, I, I'm not asserting in any way that Mike Pence is going to be the nominee at all. Mm-hmm. He's gonna He's a fucking flash in the pan, absolutely going to go it's going to be some other more radical more media friendly character who gets sound bites and shit mike pence is a milk toast douche uh he's not he's not it's not between him and trump but it's whether or not people sour on trump's bullshit right so yeah anyway we'd love to know what you think 657-464-7609 there you can leave a brief brief voicemail you can also email us a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at com. It's the asshole of today.
3: Republican Representative Glenn Thompson from <laughs> Pennsylvania.
2: I heard about this dipshit.
3: Glenn Thompson voted against the Respect for Marriage Act just days before attending his gay son's wedding.
1: Also new this morning, a Pennsylvania lawmaker is facing criticism for attending his gay son's wedding last week. Three days after
9: opposing a bill in the U.S. House that would enshrine protections for same-sex marriage into federal law. Representative Glenn Thompson's office said in a statement that he and his wife were thrilled to attend the nuptials and are very happy to welcome a new son-in-law into the family. Thompson was one of 157 House Republicans to oppose the legislation, which would protect the right to same-sex and interracial marriages nationwide his office did not respond to a follow-up question about why he decided to vote against the measure
3: so according to buzzfeed news thompson was not a passive attendee he actually delivered a speech at the wedding and praised his son's choice and partner and welcomed him into the family Thompson told his son's new husband that he and his wife are, quote, just really thankful that you're here. It actually goes beyond that. As parents, we love it when they find their one true love, especially when they become part of our families. Then
2: I don't understand these fucking people.
3: Yeah, it's it doesn't make any Is sense. It just
2: political power. I mean, his own family and their happiness and health be damned. Uh, what the fuck?
3: Yeah, I mean, usually you will see, well, not usually, sometimes, in some cases, you will see Republicans come out and say, I've changed my mind about this because I have a child who's gay or whatever, however the issue touches them in their personal lives that prompts them to then change, and here he is— voting against the thing that he is then later celebrating within his own family. So I I do wonder if this is a case where sometimes politicians will come forward and say, listen, it's not me. I don't represent my own views. I'm not here to put forward my own views. I represent the people of my district. (laughs) And this is how they would have wanted me to vote. I wonder if if that's going to be his line of argument.
2: Uh, Asshole of today. I mean... I don't fucking get these people. No. I'd, lo- I'd love for someone to fucking fill me in. You <laughs> again, please explain it to Jesse D. This is
3: the theme of the show.
2: God damn, you
3: need you need this explained to you. I want it explained to me
2: too. All right, moving on.
3: Taking care of biz. It's a good one. Sandy Hook Families. Yes. The Sandy Hook Families. Well, before we get there, I had an asshole of today runner-up that I just want to quickly mention. Oh, yeah, please, The, please. the CEO...
2: Honorable of, mention. The
3: CEO of Raisin Cane's, Todd Graves, bought $100,000 in lottery tickets for his employees because apparently the jackpot is huge.
2: It's like over a billion dollars. Yeah,
3: well, he bought the tickets before it was a billion dollars, so he wasted $100,000. Oh, so he,
2: he didn't learn this morning that it was a billion And then, I mean, still, that would be stupid. But so he spent $100,000 and then didn't win anything.
3: I mean, it's a lottery, so that's not surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's better ways. And why did he,
2: why did he, he bought them for the employees?
3: Yeah, yeah. There was, I think, one for each employee.
2: So is he, maybe we'll just say it's an adjacent to asshole today, because maybe he's not an asshole. He's just a dumb fuck.
3: Well, it's that money could have been spent.
2: It's the dumb fuck of today.
3: That money could have been spent (laughs) in a way that would have been not wasted, for example. yeah, And that would have been nice. But here we are with $100,000 being wasted on lottery tickets.
2: here, Here we are.
3: Okay. So back to the Sandy Hook families. Alex. Taking care of biz. Alex Jones is continuing his court case, and the Sandy Hook families have given a number to the jury. They want $150 million from Alex Jones.
6: Opening arguments began today in the first of several trials involving parents of the children murdered Sandy Hook Elementary School and conspiracy spreader Alex Jones. In October, Jones was found legally responsible for the false claims he made about the killings. Today the lawyer for the plaintiff said they are now seeking $150 million in damages. Now that is a huge verdict
4: to be sure, but it is one that will do justice to the level of harm done in this case. Harm that was done to the parents of grieving parents of murdered children who have had to endure for 10 years the most despicable and vile campaign of defamation and slander in American history.
6: Well, today, Jones's lawyers claim that thousands were questioning the shooting, not just him, all because of what he called, quote, bad coverage, unquote, by the mainstream media. The mass killing occurred 10 years ago this December in Newtown, Connecticut. Six adults, 20 children were murdered. Joining me now is The New York Times' Elizabeth Williamson, who has been covering the trial from Austin, Texas. She's also the author of Sandy Hook, An American Tragedy and the Battle for Truth, Published earlier this year you've been following elizabeth this story and the consequences of alex jones's lies about the sandy hook uh, shootings for years what stood out to you in court today
8: Hey, Anderson. Thanks for having me on. I think what stood out to me is that this is the first time that we have heard a dollar figure attached to the suffering that these families have gone through after Alex Jones began spreading lies about Sandy Hook, that it was a government hoax in service to gun control. So this is an attempt to sort of, you know, put a material value on what they've gone through as that sort of secondary trauma after the uh, shooting itself.
6: The 150 million million dollars in damages 75 million of that represents one dollar from each person who didn't believe the shooting occurred because of false information pushed by alex jones that's what the lawyers are saying i'm wondering what the reaction from jones was when that number was set in court
8: He was visibly unnerved by that. Um, It's kind of a complicated formula that the lawyers came up with after Monday when Jones's own lawyer Suggested that they might seek a single dollar in damages. Um, And he extended this argument that the parents' loss of their son, Jesse Lewis, was so enormous that anything Jones could have said or done was just sort of paled in comparison. So this motivated the lawyers to say that for, you know, they cited a, a poll in which a quarter of Americans shortly after the shooting believed that Sandy Hook was either definitely or Possibly faked. And so that's 750 million Americans. So they came up with a formula that would make Jones pay a dollar for the reputational damage and the emotional damage that he inflicted um, by convincing that many people that the shooting was faked. So
3: this is reporter Elizabeth Williamson talking with Anderson Cooper on CNN. She's written a book about Sandy Hook and she's followed the case for a long time. And she says that the proposed judgment here is equivalent to about three years worth of $50 million in annual revenue that Alex Jones has earned from selling his supplements and whatever else he's selling over on his conspiracy show.
2: So, $50 million dollars in revenue per year.
3: So so she believes that the money is there, that this is something yeah. that he he would have, is $150 million to pay the Sandy Hook families. After, after he learned this, and you, you heard her say that he appeared unnerved when he heard this number, he went out and actually held a press conference afterward and was admonished by the judge because... Apparently it was within close proximity to the court and the jury could be affected by something like that, influenced by something like that. He called this constitution destroying. He has been putting duct tape over his mouth, talking about the First Amendment, of course, making himself making himself out to be the victim in this case. So I, I think it's good for the Sandy Hook families. I mean, they have been through hell for years because of what Alex Jones has done to them by creating these individuals who then seek them out, harass them. Yeah,
2: the Posner family, just, just the Posner family, has had to move 10 or 12 times trying to hide from these psychos who are effectively dispatched by Alex Jones, whether knowingly or unknowingly by him. Right, They're influenced by him to seek the Posner family out and put them in danger, and they have to fucking move constantly. It's, right. it's a nightmare for families who have already lost a child to gun violence.
3: Right. So I want to see Alex Jones pay. I think that this is...
2: you should be fucking bankrupted.
3: A good thing. We need to see Alex Jones have consequences in this case, and this is another reason. I mean, sorry to bring up Joe Rogan all the time, but honestly, if you're still supporting Joe Rogan, if you're still giving him listens on his podcast on Spotify, if you're still supporting him or when you talk to people, you act like he has a reasonable view of things. Joe Rogan
2: says that Alex Jones is right more than he's wrong and treats him like a a, a reasonable journalistic voice in our society.
3: Yeah, I mean, enough with this.
2: Fucking gross. Enough, so... I mean, he's giving aid and comfort to Alex Jones.
3: Yeah, so taking care of his Sandy Hook families for pushing forward through all of the harassment and terror that Alex Jones has inflicted on them.
2: And an alternate alternate assholes of today would be both Alex Jones and a little, a little bonus uh, Joe Rogan.
3: You know what's nice? Instead of being overwhelmed by the number of assholes of today that we could have, I think I just want to be overwhelmed by the number of taking care of biz segments that we could have. Yeah, so that's, so that's what I, I want.
2: The audience should also call in to educate me about that. That's a good time. <laughs>
6: Anyway, we love
2: you guys. We appreciate you very much. We would invite you to help support the show, help produce what we do here. You can go to patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast, pick your tier, and then await with bated breath your welcome package. Great. (laughs) Anyway, we love you. We'll see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt